This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. I am thrilled because today I get to have my good friend, my longtime friend from blogging years, Allie Worthington in studio. Allie, I was thinking we go back. I, I don't even know. I remember the very first Blistem conference. What year was that? I think it was 2008. That was that was back in the early days. We had blogging. no idea what we were doing. We were just in the beginning of blogging, and it's so fun to see how everything has grown and and expanded and changed so much. Mm-hmm. Think of social media and how that has changed everything. But I'm excited to have you in studio to talk about your brand new book, Standing Strong: A Woman's Guide to Overcoming Adversity and Living with Confidence. And I believe this episode is actually going to drop on your book launch day. So today, we're, we're not the day we're recording it, but today, as you're listening to this, Allie's book is out to the world. That's so exciting. It is. I'd love for you, just before we get into so many things in this book, I, I have lots of, I, I basically feel like I needed to underline every page. I was like, okay, stop underlining so you don't <laughs> underline the whole page. But so much that I want to talk to you about. But first, if you could just take a few minutes, introduce yourself to the people who might not be super familiar with you. Yeah. So my big claim to fame is I'm surviving a mom of five boys. Which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Youngest is 12. Oldest is almost 22. And my husband and I live outside of Nashville. And I'm, of course, an author and a speaker back when we were gathering for big events and a business coach. So I like to do a lot of things. I joke that I like to collect new 
businesses to do. Like I like to have kids. They keep coming up. (laughs) So I just have a good time with things. I love that. And you're probably one of those people like me that you can't imagine not having so many ideas. There's Mm -hmm. just never enough time. So many ideas. I I have a little, uh, a little wall post-it note, you know, those big Mm post-it notes that go in my office and it's just things I want to do in the future. Some of these ideas could be really bad. Some of them could be great. Let's just give it a chance. We'll see what happens. And how many books have you written? This is number four. Number four. Mm -hmm. And this book, Standing Strong, A Woman's Guide to Overcoming Adversity and Living with Confidence, I feel like it was very personal to you. Talk about what inspired you to write this book. Yeah, this room is like, uh, this book is like walking into a crowded room naked. That's mm-hmm. that's how I feel with this one. And the other books, I, I told myself when I first started writing, I read one of Donald Miller's books years ago, and I thought, if I ever get a chance to write a book, I want to be as honest as Don. Mm. And so that's always been my thing. And for this book, I kept an index card up on my wall in my office that said, tell the truth. Mm. Because it's easy as an author to want to paint yourself in a good perspective and, and give yourself a good light. But with this one, I really wanted to tell the story of of a woman going through a time of difficulty where self-doubt almost took me out, where even though my job as a speaker and as a business coach, I always look like I have everything together. But I really want to give the behind the scenes that, yes, things are scary. Yes, going out on a limb is scary. For me personally, I'm the breadwinner for our family. My husband has an illness, so I kind of take over that part of things. So for me, just being concerned, can I take care of my family? Can I do this? Can I walk into this season well? That was that was scary for me. And then at the same time, I found myself, I'm a pretty chill person. You know, when you have a whole bunch of kids, it takes a lot to upset you because you've seen it all, you know? Especially five boys. Yeah, I, I've seen it all. Unless there's, there's blood running everywhere or a, a part of the house has exploded. I'm not going to raise an eyebrow, but there was this thing that I kept seeing on social media that made me really angry. And it was this vibe, this you go girl, girl boss kind of vibe, Mm. like you can do anything, you go after it, your success is completely up to you. You just hustle hard for it and you don't, um, you don't ask permission, you don't apologize, you go for what you want. And I think the problem with that, there's a lot of problems with that. The problem with that is the fruit of that message is destruction. Mm. And I wanted to write a book that says, here's how you overcome self-doubt. Here's how you overcome adversity. Here's how you overcome the things that can hold you back. But let's do it the right way because you're not the hero of your own story. You're no matter who you are and what situation you're in, you're standing on a lot of shoulders. Um, me personally, as a Christian, I know God is the hero of my story. He's the one that gives me strength and courage and wisdom. And if I have the audacity to think I'm the hero, I'm just, I'm walking around like a fool. And you address this right out of the gate in your book. And I love how chapter one, first page of chapter one, you said, without Jesus, success is empty. That's powerful. Why is this message so important to you? Is this something like, have you struggled with wanting to hustle and that sort of thing? Is that something that personally, or do you feel like you've always kind of been like, I don't know. No, I see that that's not going to work. Well, it's funny because, okay, so Enneagram language, you know, Mm -hmm. we are in greater Nashville. So Mm -hmm. Enneagram is everywhere. Everyone always assumed I was a three Mm -hmm. and because I like to do a lot of things, but achievement and quote unquote worldly success, like that's never been my driver. I'm a seven. Mm -hmm. I want to have experiences. I want to have fun. 
And then what makes me work so hard would be taking care of my family. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of come at it from a different perspective than people would want. I haven't personally struggled with that message. I'm just somebody watching that message do damage. Mm -hmm. And it was upsetting me enough to make me angry. And that's when I knew it was time for me to address Mm it. Well, and I feel like we want to fill that place in our heart that's truly longing for Jesus. Yeah. That only he can fill, but we're trying to pour all these, it's like empty calories inside of that hole to try to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. And the problem is when we look on Instagram, for instance, the people who are preaching this message are doing it really well. Mm -hmm. Their pictures look great. Their marketing looks great. Everything looks wonderful. And they're just saying, just follow me and everything will be great. But like I said, the fruit of that message is destruction, both for the people who preach it and listen to it. And what kind of drove me to action was was thinking about a generation of women listening to that message, listening to that message that is empty and it's going to lead them to not be successful in the future and knowing when they have trouble, when they have difficulties, when adversity hits and there's nothing outside of them to help them, they're not going to realize that whole message I bought was a lie. They're going to blame themselves and say, I just should have worked harder. Mm. But harder work is never the answer. Mm. And so in chapter one, you talk about what a woman's place is, because I think that it's an important thing to define from the get-go. You want to tell us more about your thoughts on what's a woman's place? I think every culture, every generation is trying to decide where a woman's place is. You know, grandparents, a woman's place is in the kitchen. You know, now we'd say a woman's place is in Target. But my perspective of it is a woman's place is wherever God calls her. We as people decide that we think that we know what a woman's place is and we know what what women should do, what women should act like. In our culture right now, there's so much pressure on us. There's pressure to look a certain way and act a certain way and grow organic food and knit sweaters out of wool from the sheep in your backyard. I mean, it's, it is amazing the pressure that we feel as women, but each and every one of us needs to just kind of sit back and say, what does God have for me? Where does he want me to go? What does he want me to do? What does he say my place is? And when we start leaning into that, I think there's a great adventure that he takes us on. But if we stay stuck in the imagery and the messaging of this world, we aren't going to get there. So that's great, a great message. But I I can hear the woman who's saying, well, I don't even know. How how would I, does God just, is going to write it on the wall? Like, how am I going to know what my, what God's calling me to? Well, I think that sometimes we we think about calling and purpose in, in a skewed way. I, I believe our purpose, my perspective of purpose is our purpose in life is to decide, are we going to follow Jesus or not? And if we do, we tell other people about him and we serve him. Boom. That's it. It's not as if God is in heaven trying to tell us our purpose and we can't see his mouth because he's hidden behind a binder and we're like, I guess I missed my pur- purpose. I don't know. Our purpose is set, but our calling is different in every season. Our calling looks different in our 20s as it does our 30s and our 40s. Our calling kind of looks different this fall as it did last fall, considering the world that we're in. He always has something new and different for us to do. And the way we, we can see where our calling is in, in that season of life is just what has he put in our hands? Are we raising kids? Are we you know, working as a teacher, working as an accountant, working as an entrepreneur, whatever it is? The work we do really matters to God. And I think for too long, we've thought, well, as a woman, if I'm working outside of the home, that's more important than inside of the home. Well, of course not. Of course Mm -hmm. it's not. Or if I'm working in a church or a nonprofit, that's important. But my work 
in retail or my work as a teacher isn't important. But there's no divider between the sacred and the secular for the Lord. The first thing the Lord did for humans is say, get to work. Mm -hmm. You know, he placed us in the Garden of Eden, but he never planned on it just to stay a garden. He planned for it to be transformed for cities and technology and clean drinking water and Amazon two-day prime shipping, which is a blessing. Like all of all of these things help us as people. They expand the kingdom. They make our lives better. Does God care that you have great paint that's lead free to go on your walls in your room? Yeah. And he partnered with somebody to produce it. Does God care that children grow up? to love him and to do great things in the world and to love other people. Yeah, it's because some mom did great work in raising them. So when we think about everything that we're doing as partnership with him and that it really matters to him, I think it's not so much let me unveil this big calling. It's what's, what is the work that he's put in my hands right now? And that's our calling in this season. So how do we, you're saying, you know, on the one hand, seeking the Lord and following the calling that he's given us, um, but at the same time, how how does that look different than someone who's saying, you know, if you just, you need to work really hard and, you know, the whole hustle mentality. Talk to us about how that practically would look different and how you approach things. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's always going to the Lord and going, okay, am I doing okay? What's next? What do you want for, for me? Give me an idea. Now, I... I I wish that the Lord was like, Allie, here you go. Here's what's next. And next year you're going to do this. And this is going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. Like, I wish it was like that. But when he kind of woos me into my future, it's subtle. It's ideas that bubble to the top and I'll put them away or I'll put them away on the shelf and go, okay, that was an idea or, you know, call this person or reach out to this person or, you know, build a garden with some, this or with someone else. But ideas that keep bubbling up, that even though I put them away, they keep coming to the surface. They keep breaking to the surface. That, to me, is God leading me to something new, an idea that I have. Now, when I'm off track and I'm doing something he doesn't want me to do, that's when he's a little more loud. That's when when I'm praying, I don't have any peace about it. But I think for for all of us that he does want us to work hard. You know, mm-hmm. there's nowhere in the Bible that he's like, just, just lay around. Everything will be fine. Like God will get us across a thousand finish lines, but he wants us to lace up our shoes and get walking. You know, it's a partnership with us. And does he want us to be diligent, do a good job, treat people well? Yes. But the mental perspective of this is all on me. I'm the hero of my own story. My success or failure is up to me. It's completely different than I'm partnering with God on everything I do. And he's my source of courage and strength and wisdom. This leads to something that I've just really been sitting in and feel like it's changing my perspective. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And just this past week, I'm taking the seminary class at church and the professor for lack of a better word, because that's how he teaches. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need the four-point outline. But anyway, he doesn't (laughs) teach like that. But he was talking about how God's Spirit works through people and how God's Spirit never really works on its own. It's always through people and how we are supercharged because we have God's Holy Spirit in us. And I've just been sitting in that. And then this morning, I was reading in your book, And you said almost the exact same thing. I was like, God wants me to hear this. You said, you may not feel able to stand strong. You may be filled with self-doubt. 
When you hear others talk about great women of God, you may say, oh, that's not me. But friend, it is you. You are more than you think you are. A superpower exists inside you. If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you. We can't keep walking around feeling powerless, like life is happening to us, like we are victims. The Spirit of God lives inside us, empowering us for greatness. We just have to tap into it. That'll preach. That is amazing. How similar to what you just heard in class. Mm -hmm. He does want you to know. Yes. (laughs) But I just, when grabbing hold of that and really understanding that, it gives me so much courage to face life. Because it's not about me anymore. Mm. And that's the whole idea. Standing strong has, it. yes, we are physically standing strong. We are standing strong mentally and emotionally. But standing strong has to do with God strengthening us. It is God working in and through us. If we had to do it alone, especially after everything people have been through this year, we'd be like, forget it. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I think that we are going to look back in this time of history with so much loss, so much difficulty, so much grief and go, I didn't see it at the time. But I know what God was building in me in that season. And because he built that in me in that season where things were difficult and things were scary and things were hard, he set me up for the next season of my life where I was able to do something amazing with him. I was, you know, fostered a child or wrote a book or, you know, built something in the community or volunteered at a school. I think that there are, there are purposes that God has for this world that, that he, he doesn't need us, but he chooses to work with us. And they're important and they matter. And in one season that's hard, in one season of grief or difficulty, he sets us up to partner with him in the next season. And that's going to be a season of us for harvest and to do wonderful things for him, whether those things are something that anyone else would even know of or not. Sometimes it's just something great between you and the Lord that only you know about, but it matters and it's really important. And nothing's wasted in the economy of God. Have you found that as you're, stepping into living like this, that there's a lot of spiritual attack that comes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I mean, the, the problem with, with writing a book like this, that I didn't know how important this book was going to be. I mean, God told me a long time ago when I was praying about what this book was going to be, that he had something really important for women in this generation, mm. that he had important things for them to do and partner with them. And he also told me that things were going to get hard. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. And then 2020 came along and I went, oh, I, this makes perfect sense that everything is so hard. And I think that there are great spiritual attacks happening to everyone right now because this is a time that's so important and it's a time that's so difficult. But like I said, we're going to look back on this and we're going to realize what he was building in us and that what he was preparing us to partner with him on. And it's going to be a game changer. I love the section of your book where you talk about the enemy wants you to focus on all the reasons you can't. Yep. And I think that when we step into the calling that God has for us and we say, I want you to be the hero of my story and I want to partner with you in this and I'm going to live resting in your grace and your strength and I'm going to you know, let the Holy Spirit work through me. Oh, that's The enemy a doesn't that's like it. Because the enemy's going to tell us that The mistakes that we have made in our past will always be our future, Mm -hmm. that we have made too many mistakes. If people knew all the mistakes we've made and all the bad thoughts we have, no one would ever pay any attention to us. No one would love us. You know, those are whatever kind of our childhood wounds are, 
when we're when we're little, whatever those things are, the enemy knows and he takes advantage of. Whatever it is that's our Achilles heel, the enemy will start whispering it in our ear. Maybe it's who do you think you are? Um, for me, I grew up in poverty and lost my dad when I was young. So for me, it is you're going to lose everything again. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be taken away. From. Don't take a risk on this. You don't want to lose everything again. Or you're not good enough to do this because you don't have the right background, those types of things. But the enemy knows whatever perfect kind of strings of sentences that can go together to try to knock us out at our knees. And you have this powerful quote, the enemy wants you to focus on all the reasons you can't instead of focusing on the God who can. I just sat with that quote uh, after I read it. And I just let it just kind of marinate in my head over and over and over. Because I think if we listen to the voices in our head, so often there are lies mm-hmm. from Satan that are focusing on all the reasons that we can't, we shouldn't, we're not enough, instead of focusing on the God who can. Yeah. And one way I, I kind of ask myself, okay, I'm feeling this way. I'm thinking this way. Is this of me? Is this of the Lord? Is this of the enemy? And I ask myself, is this voice loving? Does it invite me to growth? Is it gently convicting, but way nicer to me than I would be to myself? It's probably the voice of the Lord. Is it shaming? Is it critical? Is it hurtful? That's probably me or the enemy. And that's the way I think about it. And then when I have a decision to make, maybe there's something that I want to do that I'm nervous about, or maybe I'm holding myself back and I'm playing small about something. I ask myself, this decision, if I do this, whatever it is, is this going to please the Lord? Or is this going to make the enemy happy? Mm. And I think what happens to women more often than not is we hold ourselves back and we play small and we think that's humility. And that's just making the enemy happy because we're not doing the things that he's put in our hearts to do. Whatever that looks like for us, it could be you know reaching out to a friend who needs comfort or building something new, whatever it is for us in that season of life. But if we play small and call it humility or call it waiting on the Lord, when the Lord wants us to act, the Lord wants us to get strong. The Lord wants us to be a loving force in the world. The enemy is just over there in the corner laughing. I think so often when I play it safe, I don't get to see God show up in great and mighty ways yeah. on my behalf because I'm kind of doing what I can do in my own strength. I'm keeping it like, okay, I can control this little bubble right here. I, my to-do list, it all works out. And so I don't have to rely upon the Lord right. because I kind of I can carry this on my shoulders, but when we step out in faith and do things that are so much bigger than we can do on our own, we get to see God show up in really powerful ways. And then he's the hero because there's no other explanation other than that's God. Yep. I got nothing else for you. (laughs) I know that there are women who are listening who they say, I want to live in this. Like I want to live in this space, but I am so burdened down constantly by these lies in my head. And maybe they don't even realize that they're lies. They they believe that there are truths. Yeah. They have focused on all the reasons that they can't, and they want to focus on the God who can. Practically, what does that look like? Well, I think it's really important to figure out what does God think about us as women? Like, what's his perspective on us as women? When we see ourselves as weak, when we see ourselves as as less than and of constantly subservient, it's going to be easier to believe those lies. And when I was newly married, my husband and I were living in Memphis. One of our one of our boys was a toddler, and I was pregnant with the next one. And we went to a big church in Memphis. And 
the women in the Bible study gave me a book on how to be a Christian wife. And I was like, great, this is, I did not know how to be a Christian wife. I know now. Okay. So I read it and I started doing everything. And my husband would come home from work every day and pick fights with me. And we're not arguers. So it was really odd. So finally, after a week, I was like, why are you trying to get a rise out of me? Why do you want to fight with me? I don't understand what's going on. And he said, you're just so vanilla now. I don't know where your personality went. And I said, I'm just trying to be a good Christian wife. And he Mm -hmm. goes, I need you to stop. I need you to be the wife you were before. Mm -hmm. And that was this moment when I realized, like, I'm not sure I understand what's expected of me as a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's this perspective in this. But when we go to the Bible, um, in in Genesis, the, the phrase for woman is azer connecto. Azer means helper. Connecto means op- in opposition. And when I first heard that, I thought it meant like opposition, like fighting. But it's um, two opposing forces that balance each other and provide strength, like like wings on a plane or two boards that hold each other up. And that same language for woman is used twenty one times in the Bible. Sixteen of that is for military defense mm. as God's protector of Israel. So like the word for woman is strong and battle ready and a helper equal and in opposition, but not fighting, but for strength. And when I started thinking about that, it changed my perspective on myself as a woman, because as especially for those of us who are moms, we know the weight we bear on our shoulders every day. And I thought, okay, this is God's perspective of me as a woman. And then I dug into the truth of scripture, what he thinks about me, what the truth is. So every time the enemy's lies could come in with your your past will always be your future. You're not good enough to do this. I could come combat it with God's truth of God does new things. The old is I'm forgiven. The old is wiped away. He will strengthen me to do these things. So again, it's taking the pressure off me to do a great job. It's me going, okay, here I am. Let me work in and through you. It's all of that plus quite a bit of therapy. <laughs> I feel like we need the spiritual health and the great mental health. And you put those things together Mm. and you can drop kick the devil. As we close, I would just love for you to speak to the woman who's listening, who is just feeling really tired and weary. I know this year has beaten us up. There's just been a lot and it can feel heavy. She's feeling worn down. She's feeling overwhelmed. What would you say to her? How does she overcome adversity, live with confidence, stand strong? I would say the first thing that's really important to keep in mind is think about the community that you have around you, whether it's community in person or community online. And online community is getting more and more important right now. When things are hard, when you're feeling so weary, we heal and we get encouraged in community and we have to look at the voices that surround us. There are There are voices that help us. There are voices that encourage us, voices that remind us of truth and remind us of who we are and who we're meant to be. But there are also voices that tear us down. If there are voices in your life where every time you're around them, every time you talk to them, you leave hurt and wounded and and they aren't healthy, I want you to start thinking about that. Think about how much time you spend with that person and guard the voices and the input that you have in your life right now. It's really important in this season where everything is so hard that we surround ourselves with women. We lock arms with women that are going to support us and build us up. That's really important. Another thing is keep in mind that your future is not going to look just like right now. Mm -hmm. Right now, we are essentially planting seeds in the dark for the future that we can't see yet. But it's important that we show up every day, 
we're loving to ourselves and to other people, and we keep planting the seeds in the ground for the future that we hope to come, and we're going to get on the other side of this and all of the the work that we did, the way we loved other people well, the way we worked on ourselves and invested in other people, we will reap the benefits of that in the next season. That's powerful. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for writing this book that I think you had no idea the season that we would be in when this book came out and how women would need to hear this truth. So thank you. And for those of you who are listening, again, it is Standing Strong, A Woman's Guide to Overcoming Adversity and Living with Confidence by Allie Worthington. And of course, we'll link it in the show notes. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer in a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 